0: Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Today is part two of a two-part story, the story of Peter Mutabazi. Peter joins me today to share the incredible story of his life in Uganda, and we are picking up where we left off in part one. So for his full story, please listen to part one, because today we're going to look at the rest of the story, and you don't want to miss the first part. So part one is titled, What Kindness Can Do, and part two, today is titled what hatred can do and the reason i'm going to take an episode to talk in detail about hate is because as i was reading peter's book the title is now i am known one of the biggest turning points in his life came as he became a witness to the genocide in rwanda and what he witnessed what these events taught him and how they affected the progress of his life was just monumental. So stay tuned for my talk with the author of Now I Am Known. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it.
1: Peter, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Lori. Truly glad to be back here. Hey, I'm going to start
0: with a quote from from this chapter of your book. You said, when I first saw the bodies floating down the Kagera River out of Rwanda and into Lake Victoria on the local television station, I knew something horrible was happening in our neighboring country. Every day I watched news reports showing hundreds upon hundreds of mutilated corpses floating down the river. Men, women, children. Some had been decapitated, others were cut open with other body parts missing the bodies of children. I cannot speak of what was done to the bodies of the children. Over the course of three months, tens of thousands of bodies piled up in Lake Victoria and washed up on its shore. When the winds came out of the south and east, you could not escape the smell of death. This is how the chapter, What Hate Can Do, starts. Peter, can you pick up your story at the point where you were asked to go to Rwanda? So you've graduated from high school at this
1: point, right? Yeah, so I graduated from high school. So, you know, we have a British system. So you have a gap year where you're waiting to go to university. You know, of course, my dad is from Rwanda, and I speak the language. So my uh, foster parents said, "Hey, Peter, you know, for what's happening in Rwanda, we we think you you could do you could go and save uh, and save lives. We have uh, uh, finances coming in uh, that can provide medicine rescue uh, to help the kids, and so we would like to hire you." So I said, "My first job, sure, I will." So I had no idea what I was signing for. I was signing for a job, which first time was really exciting. But little did i know what i was about to get into you know so we bought the food would buy a lot of food and put them in trucks semi trucks and there we were going to uganda i first smelled trouble when i got there uh to the border of uganda and rwanda you know so i gave in my passport my passport is you know my name is peter habiad which is the same name as the man who had started the genocide so they put me in the corner and said we need to talk to you so you know they held me there for a couple hours and i was wondering wh- why why am i being detained <laughs> you know come to fight because i share the same name as the man who had studied the genocide so that was the first sign of i am in trouble oh <laughs> oh no you know uh, and then finally they let me go because we had to call the, the offices and you know intervene and they let me go and my first time so we drove you know and my first time what i saw was uh, i could not believe what i was watching that human beings could turn around and kill their own people just for no reason, for no reason they had, just because someone said, these people are bad, just go kill their children, their wives and everybody. And watching that as a 19, 20 year old, I think I was so angry, so angry that we can be divided based on our grandparents. (laughs) That's it, it wasn't the color, just different grandparents. That we could be divided that way, that we could take lives of each other that bad.
0: Can you give us a little bit of background on the Hutus and the Tutsis for anyone not familiar with that political hotspot in history? Because it is, it's horrifying. But give us the political situation there, will you?
1: Well, yes, you know, the the, the history of Rwanda is, as any country, we are colonized by different people group from Europe. You know, Uganda was colonized by the English uh, and uh, um, Rwanda was colonized by the the Belgians. And what they did, you know, of of, of all colonials, they use what the system, what we call divide and rule. You know, let's divide them and we rule them. Let's give favor one tribe against the other and make them so hate each other that that's the way we can divide them in that way we get through them. And that's what they did in Rwanda. They basically looked one paper group or one grandparent's people and and, and made them enemies against each other. And that had been going on for, for, I don't know, 50, 100 years. Uh, That was created by someone who wasn't from there. And that had created a rift between the Hutu tribe and the Tuti tribe. Uh, And the ruling or the ruling tribe then was the Hutu that they knew that Tutsi were coming in, who had been in exile for so many years, and they said, let us they are all bad people, let's kill everyone who knows them, who have hosted them, who has been anywhere, uh, either speaks English that was an enemy. And that literally, neighbors went to neighbors looking, do you know, have you ever been to Uganda? Do you speak English? Do you have a relative with Tutsi? And they would kill them for no reason. And sometimes intermarriages, the the wife or the husband would say, "You know, let's take your life before someone else comes because they're going to do it the most heinous way." And they were using machetes literally to take lives and and long nails. And that's what was happening in one And within a span of eight to ten weeks, they killed more than eight hundred thousand people in one small country. Eight hundred and thousand people perished for no reason, just because in
0: horrible, they- violent ways like yes. i've I've heard stories of, um, husbands killing wives, or wives having to kill husbands, and if they didn't, their their children were threatened to be killed and and just mutilated. Like I just, I can't even wrap my head around how horrible that must have been. And you were there, you were yeah. you were seeing that. So you got through, and you were on your way to these um, refugee camps that were full of hundreds of thousands of children, right? Because
1: all their parents had been killed. Yes. So most parents were killed or sometimes they, they would prefer to to only keep the children and let the parents run, look for the other parent, the other children, because it was safer to keep them than have adults that you didn't trust, you know. So my job was to provide food and medicine to these camps where the oldest was 13 years old. And it was hard to watch because some of them didn't have arms or didn't have uh, legs because they had been chopped up by a neighbor. Oh or they had, and each one of them had watched their father or mother being killed because they were under the bed or they were hiding somewhere and they knew they watched all that. So you can imagine that trauma. And for me, being in the midst of that and watching that just made me really angry uh, and really give kind of give up on humanity. Like, how can we, you know, really do this to each other? And that's for me where the hatred kind of like really began to click in or check myself in a way.
0: Yeah. So when you say check yourself, explain that you asked yourself yourself. You're watching this hatred coming out in people and you were smart enough, which I love your self-awareness here to internalize that question and say, where is hate showing up in my life? And that took you naturally to your relationship with your father, right?
1: Right. You know, it's. it's I'm on social media It's easy to write a comment but you have no idea How it's going to affect someone Or you don't internalize And look at yourself My mother had a saying When you point one finger Three are pointing back at you And that really always helped him To think through What I'm about to say But what about me What does he say about me So what I'm in one I think I hated my father so bad That for me I wanted to go home at some point And kill my dad Oh, harm him Do something Because I hated him that bad So being in the midst of That and looking at what hate can do. And I thought, wow, these people are crazy. But as I said those words, or as I thought of all that, I said, but I'm capable of doing the same. That's what I want to do, my father. The same hatred that I'm accusing these people to have is the same I feel towards my father. And at that point, I think I felt like I cannot be a hypocrite. I cannot say, how dare them! And then look at myself and say it was okay and that's when really i said no i'm capable of doing so and if i don't forgive my father i'll end up doing the same and that point that point that's when i really said i want to forgive my father either he accepts it or does not i am going to accept and i'm going to truly do everything i can to let go of the anger i have towards my father
0: See, that is so hard. The choice to forgive. Sometimes you can want to, and it's still hard to do it. So, you know, we're all casualties, or there are always casualties of hatred, like you and the abuse of your father, the children that you met and listened to their stories in camp. I'll have you tell us a little about that. And when we are victims of cruelty or hatred, how do you actually forgive? How do you recover? Can you give us any pointers?
1: So for me, it's how I looked at it. The cruelty from my father and the hatred towards him was taking away the joy and the peace that I could have. Like, I didn't feel normal or feel at like peace or didn't feel like celebrating the milestones I was having because there was that still that hatred, you know, that I felt was my father. So that's when I knew that if I don't forgive my father, that is really going to ruin on the on, on the amazing things that I have to do or I have to face or I can do because I was holding on that, you know. First of all, trust. I couldn't trust people that easily because that was what my father taught me or oh, that's what I learned from my father. So I knew forgive Giving him was the best way to let go, you know? So for me, it had to begin of the things that I would have missed or how that hatred was going to get in the way, you know, of the things that I was capable of doing that I said, Holding on that is still letting my father win. And I'm that that's mm. that's that would be a failure on my side. Like, no, I no, 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 no. My father should not win for what I'm <laughs> capable of doing. No, no. You're
0: brilliant, Peter. You're you're your self-awareness for somebody that's never been taught any of that is just really fun to watch. Remind us real quickly, since we haven't talked about it in this episode, what James did for you, that that kindness, and then let's compare that to what hate does, you know, what happened in Rwanda. There are two different ways of feeling there. You can either marinate in the destructive power of hate, or you can live in the healing power of generosity and acceptance and love. And that that's what Peter signified. So as you compare those two, you know, what does that bring up?
1: So for me, I'll compare with my the first 10 years. The first 10 years I was little. There was nothing I couldn't do. It's all was in my mind. I hated my father. I just couldn't stand him in every shape, form on what I saw, the abuse he inflicted on my father, on my mother. And my siblings. So there was nothing I could do until I ran away. Then I began to learn that I had power. On the streets of Kampala, I had to fight back. So think of it this way. If someone was mean to us as street kids, we learned how to pay back. So I'll give you an example. If a woman who was selling potatoes was really mean to us, we would say, do back by basically defecating in, in 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 their produce so they won't be able to sell it because it's smelling uh, while we left there you know but i saw <laughs> i saw how harmful i was but also i knew how to pay back paying back was paying back the same fire for fire they were hatred towards me or they were mean i'm gonna back the same yeah. way as, as a teenager but it, it was more of safety i'm gonna help you to stay away from me because i have power to do the same but then once this man took me in and changed my life now he now he it was different because he showed me on how to know in some way, repeat fire with fire or pay back with fire. I knew to to do in a kind way because that's what he did. If mm-hmm. I stole something from his home, he didn't say Peter, how dare you? He said, Peter, next time you can ask. And I'm like, oh, really? Sure. You know, uh, hitting someone at school. If I wanted to fight, I realized that if I fight someone, I'm gonna lose on the foot. So I saw the things that I could lose because I wanted to do the harm. And now the 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 the, the, the kindness was always matching out towards the harm that I was capable of doing. And that's really how I mastered of saying, if someone's saying something bad, I can actually reply by being kind. That's a, a win as well, you know? Uh, and that's really what helped me in, in some way, I really realize that, you know, uh, winning sometimes is being the most kind you can be to someone. And that will really, it, it's like water towards the fire, that you will put off the fire when you're kind. And that's really how I learned how to deal with it. And I think we we can all do. We can easily quish Russia or write comments on social media. But I think sometimes when we step back and say, what does that leave me with? You know, to me, always left me with an emptiness and I didn't want that. But once I learned how to really step back with kindness, I saw how rewarding that was, you know? You know, uh, I
0: have noticed in my life when I have done something that someone could have a harsh response to, but instead they give me grace, right? Or or kindness. My respect for them grows exponentially because maybe I know that I was mean about something, right? But right. they they extend grace and kindness. And I'll tell you what, when when someone does that for me, I'm just so impressed. You know, you know, they're living at a higher vibrational level. You know that they are the good stuff because right. they- they're living from that place. And so I think this is a wonderful thing for us to talk about today.
1: Right. And then two, the other part is like knowing that their feelings, that's them. That's not me. So I don't have to act the same way because they're feeling that way, knowing that yeah. my feelings are different from how this person is feeling Helped me to know how to respond. You know, yes. if they're coming from a point of anger, they're angry. I'm not angry. So I don't see why I should do the same, but rather yes. if they're angry. How do I really help them come on the other side, feel that they matter, feel that I, they can be heard uh, and feel that I don't have to be involved in, in, in the feelings they have.
0: I had a person once tell me I was going through a rough thing with a client and they said, um, Aren't you glad? Because we had been doing some meditation training and stuff. And he said, Aren't you glad that you know enough that you don't have to catch what is thrown at you? And he threw his pin at me. And you know, when you try to catch it, somebody throws something at you, right? And he's like, You don't have to catch it. Like people can throw whatever they want at you and you don't have to catch it. You don't have to add any fuel to anybody's fire. You can just step back and let what they say fall on the ground. And if you're not adding fuel to it, it's going to go out. You know, there's Mm -hmm. nothing there. And I thought that is a powerful concept because you're always in charge of how you respond to something. You can choose kindness. You can, even if it's just being
1: quiet, you know, you can choose a higher road. Absolutely. My mom used to say, 10% is what happened. 90% is how you (laughs) respond. I'm like, smart mom. (laughs) Yes, you're absolutely right. And for me, who's dealing with kids in trauma, like I have to understand that because when trauma shows up, really, they will cast, they will throw up, the anger. they don't know how to really explain how they're feeling. And for me being on the other side to be calm, you know, and listen, that really helps them to calm down. But if I do the same, like it's kind of really elevating all their feeling. But when I calm down, then it really helps them to calm down. And it's it's a cool way to learn how to help someone who's mad. So if you
0: haven't listened to part one yet, which I really hope you have, because it it sets a great foundation for this part two. Peter is a foster parent, and he's taking all of the things that he's learned and using them to help children that are in difficult situations to bless their life, to k- take this kindness and this understanding of their trauma and to be able to support them and help them. So Peter, tell us a little bit about what that's like for you and how we can get your book so we can they can read your full story. We've just given them little snippets of it, but where can we find it? First of all, what tell us about the foster parenting and then tell us about your book.
1: Oh, of parents, yes. So when I came to the United States, I realized how much I was given. They say too much is given, much is required. And I knew, you know, This man had really shown me how to love and care for the most vulnerable. And I wanted to do the same. So when I came to the United States, as a single man, I thought, well, there's no way they can allow me to be a foster parent. But I walked in the foster care system anyway. I said, hey, can I mentor children? And the social worker who received me said, have you ever thought of being a foster dad? I was like, me? No, I'm seeing what said. You can do that. And that day I signed up. And since then, I've had 29 children. I've adopted one and the process of adopting three. So it's amazing. Even for me, it's amazing because I didn't do that because I have traveled in more than 100 countries with parents who were adapting, but I never seen a black person who was adapting from Uganda or from Ethiopia. So I thought I don't qualify because I did not see the representation of myself, but I didn't give up. And somehow now I'm a dad because someone cared and someone said I matter. But also, again, I'm doing, you know, because I can, but because someone showed me kindness. And if I can do the same to their bio parents and to our kids and change their lives because he changed my life, then I've done the best I can. I've left legacy of what this man who showed up one day and changed the life of a kid that I want to do the same. And so that's my journey to truly be a foster dad. I want to foster more. I want to adopt more. And above all, I want to advocate for so many kids who are in the foster care here in the United States. It's my job. Well, my book, I wrote my book because I wanted to help my family first, my kids. I wanted my kids to know, they love Dada. They love Papa. They call me, but they Papa, you're the best. I'm like, well, before you say, can say your best, I really wanted to show them how far I've come, the odds and mm. the, the things I had to overcome that say, if I can overcome you my son you my daughter you can do the same but mm-hmm. also I wanted to encourage your listeners as well that have gone through a difficult time to say don't let the, the past, don't let what happened to you determine your future but rather hold it own it and use it to do life better for you to change life for others and those around you and you as well so that's why i wrote now i'm known. it's all about making others known and you can do it at home you can do it at work you can do it anywhere uh, or even on the bus Wherever you go you can look at someone and say i want to know you here's what a challenge i want to give you every time you walk on the streets and see street, pe- street people don't just give them food say what is your name and i'm telling you they will stop to say, wow, you want to know my name? That is the most greatest gift you can give to any street person wanting to know that my name. But anyway, you can find me on social media. You can find my book on any bookstore, Amazon, Target, anywhere, and social media as well as Foset Dad Flipper. Again, I don't flip children, I flip houses. Uh, <laughs> and also, you can find me on Now I'm Known, TikTok, Now I'm Known, YouTube, Now I'm Known everywhere.
0: So the name of his book is Now I Am Known and on the show notes at loveyourstorypodcast.com under this episode and part one episode, um, I will have a link so you can go and grab that book if you would like. And Peter, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. There's so much more we could talk about. (laughs) You've given us so much wisdom, though, and Mm -hmm. let's choose kindness.
1: Absolutely. And thank you for letting our kids in post-care be seen, be heard by inviting me. So we're grateful.
0: Absolutely. I think the world is incredibly messy. We are hurt and we hurt others. We love people who have been hurt or are hurting. That's just... The way of the world we get hurt we want to forgive we want to know how to help others deal with difficult things like trauma or neglect or hopelessness it's all just so much one of the things peter said in his book was quote hurting people hurting people meaning people that are hurting need to be heard they need to know that they are not alone unquote And then I was listening to a TED talk about addiction and the way we try to punish and ostracize addicts when the research was actually showing that people and lab animals don't turn to drugs or destructive behaviors when they feel connected. So the suggestion for healing was not to ostracize the difficult ones, but to let them know that you care, even though that may be one of the most difficult moves. At any rate, I believe the more we listen to these real life stories like Peter's, the more we seek the higher road, the more we understand where hate can take the human heart and the opposite of where caring and forgiveness and empathy and that those kind moves like James played that, that part that he played and go, go to um, part one. If you don't know who James is (laughs) that, that, Those decisions and opportunities that James gave to Peter, this empathy and kindness where this can take the human heart, we can take steps in the direction of light, no matter how much we are hurting, no matter how much the people around us are hurting as we keep moving toward light and forgiveness and inclusion and connection, the brighter and more beautiful the world can be. You know, there's, there's no quick solution to the struggle to forgive or to heal from trauma, but there is a choice every day where we can choose kindness and we can choose love and we can work on it moment by moment. So let me end with a couple quotes. Will Smith said, quote, Throughout life, people will make you mad. They'll disrespect you and treat you bad. Let God deal with the things they do because hate in your heart will consume you too. Unquote. And then Martin Luther King, quote, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Unquote. May we all move toward love and empathy and kindness today with intention. I will see you in two weeks for the next episode of the Love Your Story podcast. Thank you for being here. Share this with Anybody in your world and your sphere of influence, share both of these part one and part two with anybody who you think would appreciate who would appreciate Peter's beautiful, magnificent story of coming from abuse and street living in Uganda to having finished um, multiple college degrees, living in the United States, working to give as many kids as he can the understanding and love so that they are known and can live better lives like he has been given that chance. So we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thanks for being here.